today's reading is by Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I will leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be servant has commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me, and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. You will make, I will make you a light in the Gentiles, and you will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer, and the Holy One of Israel says to one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is the servant of rules, rulers. Kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will bow low. Because of the Lord, the faithful one, the holy one of Israel, who has chosen you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Say thank you so much for that. Good morning. Y'all doing okay? Oh, I don't know if I'm convinced. Maybe we need to talk about that. Are you okay? Okay, you just lie to me. It's fine. Aaliyah's good. Um, okay, so <clears throat> one thing uh, that, that Aaliyah did for me this morning was she handed out some note-taking sheets for you. Um, as your discipleship pastor, one of the things that I hope we will all be able to grow in, and I want to encourage this as often as I can, I want everybody to be in the habit of bringing their Bibles to church. Now, I know you've got a lot of you've got access to it on your phone. That is acceptable, okay? So if you've got an actual Bible or if you've got the Word of God on your phone, open that up. Just go ahead and bring that out. And also, I want you to take notes. Now, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. You don't like writing things down. But, but just maybe one or two things, like what the Scripture passage was. And one, one thing that maybe stood out to you or that you sense God is saying to you, write it down, keep it in your Bible, put it in your notes app on your phone, whatever you need to do. I just want us to get in that habit. Now, Keith likes to make fun of me while I take notes on Sunday morning while he's preaching because he claims that I'm just doodling. But I have pages upon pages of notes from Keith's sermons so I can check whether he's telling the truth or not. <laughs> just kidding. So I can tell him what he said. Yeah, no, Keith, this is what you said. But it's just a good, healthy practice, right? It's good for us to get into that. So that's why you've got the note pages today. Um, I hope that you'll use them. If you don't, don't wad it up and just leave it in your chair. That will hurt my feelings, okay? So don't do that. Just take it with you and act like it never happened if you don't want to do that. But today we are in Isaiah 49, 1 through 7. So, right, you can just go ahead and find that and have that open before you. And we'll spend a little time in there together today. <clears throat> Here's how I want us to start, though. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? It's a, it's a valid question 
right? I bet at some point in your life, whether it was when you were really young and you felt a lot of pressure to figure out who am I supposed to be when I grow up, or whether it's now and you're asking, who am I supposed to be when I grow up? This question of purpose seems to come at us regularly. And, and, and those of us who are um, conscientious of that, and we really want to know that we're living faithful lives to the Lord God, we're going to be asking that. And we might even worry about it. What is my purpose? Lord, have I found my purpose? Am I being faithful to you? What is my purpose? And then we can really start stressing out about that. And we can experience what many people experience, something called purpose anxiety. You ever heard of that? Purpose anxiety, it's the stress and the nervousness and the freaking out that we feel when we're worried that we have not found our one single purpose that we are supposed to do in this world that only we can do and we stress and we stress and we stress and we stress. As a young 23 year old, first year student, first semester student at seminary, I suffered seriously from purpose anxiety purpose anxiety. I really stressed about that question of purpose. Um, constantly on my mind, running in the background was that question, what am I supposed to do? God's got something for me to do. I need to figure out what it is God wants me to do. And, and I think that I was so stressed about this because I just didn't want to miss what God had for me, right? So, so one day, it was a noble reason is what I'm saying. It was noble, although I think a little misguided in the way I was stressing out about it. So one day, I was eating lunch with one of my classmates, and I expressed all this to him. I just went on and on about how I wanted to know my purpose, and, and, and I, I knew God had something for me, and I just had to figure out what that was, and I needed to do that thing. And the whole time I'm talking, he starts writing on a napkin. And when I finally took a breath, anybody who knows me, when I finally took a breath, he paused. Um, he took the opportunity in that pause and he said, I know what God wants you to do. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. You just gave me somebody's going to tell me the answer. And then he slid that napkin across to me and on it, he had written one statement to be his daughter to be his daughter. Y'all, that floored me because that was way too simple, wasn't it? That's just too simple, just to be God's daughter. What he was saying to me was this, Susan, you don't need to stress out about what you're supposed to do. Just rest in the fact, the truth, that you are the beloved of God, that you are God's child who he loves very much. Everything else, everything else will be revealed from that starting point. And I think that's a good starting point for us today because before we explore how God is calling us to contribute to his kingdom purposes, we need to make sure that we're resting securely in the confidence that we are loved by God. That is your starting point. No matter where you are in life, that is where we need to be grounded. That is where we need to be rooted. That is our foundation. And from there, everything else is revealed. 
Now hold that thought while we look at our passage for this morning. So you've got your Bibles, you're at Isaiah 49, and I promise we're going to, we're definitely coming back around to this topic of our purpose. Isaiah 49, let me just kind of give you an overview of what this passage is. It's first a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so what's a prophetic word? Simply a word from God to his people. So a prophet was the person that God would speak to. He He would give his word to them, and then that person spoke that out to God's people. But this prophetic word is also a word about future events. Not all prophetic words were about future events, but this one is. It is about something that is going to happen in the future, okay? So specifically, it's referring to the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem that would take place in 586 BC. Now look, Isaiah served from 735 to 715 BC. This is way in the future for them, right? But he's talking about this destruction that was to come. It's referring to the 70 year exile that God's people would experience after they were carted off 500 miles away from their home to Babylon. And it refers to the restoration of God's people from that traumatic exilic event, okay? Secondly, Isaiah 49 is one of the four passages that we have in the writings, uh, in the prophecies of Isaiah, um, that are called servant songs. This is one of the servant songs. So in these songs, we see an unnamed servant who is going to carry out God's purposes. The servant stands in contrast to Israel, who is an unfaithful servant servant. So in Isaiah 49, just your fun fact, verses 1 through 4 are actually referring to the unfaithful servant Israel. It's Israel. When you get to verse 5, it switches. And now we're looking at the faithful servant, this unnamed faithful servant. Now there's more to it than that. There's a lot of dual dual fulfillments going on in Isaiah, but we're just going to keep it at that, okay? So we've got unfaithful servant contrasted with this unnamed faithful servant. And if you look in verse five, just notice it, just look at it. You'll see that this faithful servant has a distinct purpose to gather Israel, to gather them from that scattering that they would experience, to bring them back to God. Now, if we just fast forward a bit, right, to that captivity that God's people experience that Isaiah is pointing to, Ezekiel was a prophet of God for the people while they were in exile. And what Ezekiel did was he picked up this message of Isaiah about this servant, about this promised restoration, about the fact that God sees his people, God will not forget his people, that even when it looks like it's the darkest and the most hopeless, that God is going to come and God is going to rebuild and replant and restore his people in their homeland, right? And it was just It was a hard message for people to hear, even though it was a message full of hope. It was hard for them to believe it because of the trauma that they had experienced. 
And they knew they had been an unfaithful servant. So it was hard to believe that God would have mercy and compassion on them. It was hard for them to imagine that anything would change for them. In other words, in their pain, they struggled to imagine anything as wonderful as returning home. That just seemed way too big. And yet there, there the promise sits, right in God's word. There it sat for them. And so Ezekiel claimed that, and he kept speaking that out over his people. God will restore you. And his restoration is going to be about way more than just bringing you back to your homeland. Okay, verse 6. In verse 6, you'll notice that right after God says that his servant is going to gather his people back to him, he says this, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, that's the New Living Translation. I want you to hear how New Revised Standard Version says it. He says, it's too light a thing. It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, right? As beautiful as it is, servant of mine, that we would see the people of God and restore them back to their homeland. Guess what? That's too small still. It is too light a thing. It doesn't carry the full weight of salvation that I want to bring to bear on the world. In other words, what I want you to see was that, that God had a plan. I'll restore my people, Israel. I will restore my people. I will be faithful to them even when they have been unfaithful to me. And in that, God had a bigger plan, a plan that was bigger than the people of Israel. God's bigger than plan went beyond them to the whole world. But make sure you don't miss that, right? God's bigger than plan went beyond them. It went beyond God's people, but it also included God's people. God had said over and over again to his people that he wanted them to be the light to the nations. That was their purpose. So part of their restoration was going to include restoring them to God's purpose. Be a light to the nations. Be my witnesses to the world of who I am. Be my witnesses in this world of my love. Be my witnesses, be my light. And when they proved themselves unfaithful to that calling, God still included them. Why? Because he loved them and he had chosen them. And how did God go about including them? Well, for start, from the Jewish people, God raised up that one who would be the faithful servant that Isaiah spoke of. The one who would accomplish that beautiful task of reconciling the world to God. Reconciling the Jews to God and everybody else. A lost and broken humanity. When we get to the New Testament, what we see are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John picking up their pens to explain to us that Jesus is that servant 
that Isaiah spoke about. Jesus is the fulfillment of that ancient promise of restoration. Jesus is the servant through whom God will fulfill his ultimate purpose of reconciling and restoring a lost and wayward humanity to himself. Cool, huh? Somebody say that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So let's just put it all together, right? What does this say about us discovering our purpose? Well, first, before we do anything or feel like we got to figure anything else out, the first thing we want to do is simply to rest in the truth of our belovedness, right? The picture of Jesus in the Gospels shows a man confident in his purpose as a servant of God. Now let's think back to last week's passage from Matthew 3. I think it started in verse 17 or so, but it's it's Jesus' baptism. And we saw that at his baptism, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested upon Jesus. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And like Keith mentioned last week, because I take notes, I remember this, Jesus' purpose was rooted first and foremost in the truth of his belovedness. That's where his purpose was rooted. That's where his identity was rooted. The truth of his belovedness. I'm the beloved of God. So if that was Christ's foundation, that needs to be our foundation. Let the love of God fill you so that the love of God can flow out of you to others. Then from that position, of resting confidently in the truth that we are loved and valued. We're to do what Jesus did and be a servant. So if you're taking notes, how do I know my purpose? Your first one is just rest in the truth of your belovedness. I am loved. Here's what I want you to write. I want you to write the word beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, beloved. And then I want you to write it again but I want you to write it as be loved. That's your first one. What's my purpose? To be loved. And the second one is to be a servant. Be loved, be a servant. And here's what's so freeing about this purpose of being a servant. Servants don't have to worry about trying to figure out what their purpose is. Why? Anybody? Because a servant does what the master says to do. What's my purpose? Do what the master says. Oh, easy. I don't have to create it. I have to be a conduit of it. God has a purpose. I just need to lean into that and know that and do it. That is your purpose, to be a servant, right? Live your life as a servant of God. But sometimes, like, we might hear that and that kind of falls flat because maybe that doesn't sound flashy enough. Or maybe that doesn't sound important enough. Or, you know, and and here's the thing. If, If we approach this conversation of purpose from the perspectives uh, of a, a broken, a selfish nature that likes to put self at the center of our own universes, then this call to be God's servant uh, can seem limiting 
And it might even offend us at times if our pride is too much in the way. But the reality is that any version of our lives that puts ourselves at the center is the most limiting and unfulfilling life that we could live. You will feel passionless and purposeless a lot if you are just trying to live for yourself. The life of abundance and true fulfillment is the one where God is the center and we are living our lives as servants to serve and honor God, to do what God says to do. And that is exactly what Jesus said that he was doing. Why are you doing all this stuff, Jesus? Why are you loving all these weird people? Why are you eating where you're not supposed to be eating? Why are you saying all this strange stuff? I'm just doing what I see my father doing. I'm the servant. Isaiah talked about me, remember? And the servant does what the master is doing. I'm doing what my father is doing. I'm the beloved and I'm a servant. I can't help but think about Nehemiah. If you wanna know his whole story, just find the book of Nehemiah and it'll tell you the whole thing, okay? But Nehemiah was a Jewish man who lived in Persia. Persia was Babylon until Persia defeated Babylon to, to become the new superpower, okay? So Nehemiah is there as a result of this exile, right? So he's living in Persia and he's made a pretty good life for himself. Okay, he is the cupbearer to the king. So he's a pretty high up, you know, uh, public servant, right? With a, a pretty, pretty high status, right? He's also a man of prayer who is very interested in how the small group of Jews who had been allowed to return home to rebuild the temple were doing. He was very concerned about their welfare. And so when he inquired about that and he got word back about them, he got bad news. They were not doing well. They were actually living and working in unsafe conditions. They were suffering mistreatment from the people groups around them. They were vulnerable attack to attack because the walls of Jerusalem were still in a complete shambles. I mean, they were just still rubble. They had no protection. And so Nehemiah's heart broke over this. Right, and he got this fire in his belly that he needed to do something. And it's, here's the way I, I see this. Nehemiah was sensing this call of God over his life. Nehemiah, it is too light a thing that you would have a really great job and live a really comfortable life and do well for yourself. Let's go rebuild the walls of my city. Let's go help my people out. It's just too light a thing. This life of yours is good. It's good, but we can go better than that, right? So Nehemiah took a deep breath and he asked the king's permission uh, to go to Jerusalem to help with the rebuilding process. And with the king's blessing, Nehemiah headed to Jerusalem. And, and when he got there, it was bad. You know, the people were tired and they were despondent, but Nehemiah rallied the people and they rebuilt the walls of that city in 52 days, 52 days. Come with me to Jerusalem and let's go to the old city together. Sign up, we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to Israel, end of the year, another thing altogether, but let's go look at it. 
Let's go look at it. They rebuilt the walls of the city in 52 days, but Nehemiah didn't stop there. God continued to lead and Nehemiah continued to lean in to the voice of God. And he sensed God saying, Nehemiah, you know what? It is too light a thing that you should rebuild the walls of the city. As amazing and awesome as that vision was, it's still too small. I have a bigger plan. Help me rebuild a nation of worshipers. Help me rebuild a nation of worshipers. And that's what he did with the help of Ezra, who was a priest, and, and Zerubbabel, who was a religious leader, like a pastor of sorts. Nehemiah, this, this public servant, and all those guys and other leaders, they come together. They come together. And what started as rebuild the walls became rebuild my people. And they did it. They leaned in to God's purpose, which as we have said over and over again, was restore his people. And as they leaned into that, God expanded them, right? This is the kind of life God wants for us, a life that is open to growth and expansion. Write that down, write that down. That is so important. The life God wants for you is not a stagnant life. So if you feel bored and passionless, maybe go, let me get curious about that. Hmm. Because the life God wants for you is a life of growth and expansion as we follow God as his faithful servants. And I, I think this idea of expansion is, is key to living a life of purpose because kingdom things grow. Kingdom things expand. And so if you are walking in step with the spirit, guess what? You're gonna grow. You're going to expand. So get some elastic wasted pants. You're gonna expand, okay? You'll experience expansion in your life. And again, we talked last week about how that's not always comfortable. Keith said you might experience friction when God's ready to expand you. Friction between God's purpose and your idea of God's purpose. Friction between God's purpose and the culture around you. Think about the apostle Peter who had been taught all his life that the Gentiles were very different from the Jewish people. So different that they were not to be associated with much less go in their home and eat with them. And yet in Acts 10, make a note to go look at Acts 10 and Acts 11. In Acts 10, we see God calling Peter to do just that. It went against everything he knew. It went against everything he had been taught was right and holy before God. It went against everything that he had been told was appropriate. But as he continued to walk in step with the spirit, God called Peter to expand and to grow out of his comfort zone. And God moved in a powerful way through Peter, the servant of God, when he went into the home of these Gentile people, ate with them and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And what happened? The Holy Spirit fell on those Gentiles. What? The Holy Spirit's for God's people. Uh-uh, expansion. 
God's purpose, expansion, and restoring of the whole world. Holy Spirit falls on these people and they are baptized and they are brought into the family of God because Peter decided my purpose is to be a servant of God. My purpose is to be a conduit of God's purpose. God's purpose as spoken in Isaiah 49. I will make you a light to the nations. That was unfaithful Israel's calling. That was their purpose, to be a light to the nation. And we see God working in men and women like Peter to say, let's get back to it. Be a light to the nations. And that is our call. That's your purpose. Beloved, know who you are as God's beloved. Be a servant. Ultimately, that is the foundation of your purpose. And then from that, you are a conduit of however God wants to use you. And y'all, it can be fun. It can be like a playground. And when you get to go, Lord, instead of asking, what's my purpose? What is my purpose? Oh, I got to find my purpose. It's like, Stop stressing out about that. Your purpose is to be a servant. So now you have the freedom to ask, Lord, what's next? Hey, Lord, I have this gift of doing art. How would you like to use that? Lord, I have the gift of hospitality. How, how can we partner together to use that to be a light to the nations, to share your love with others, right? What are you up to, Lord? How can I be involved? What, what are you leading me toward? How are you calling me to grow and expand, right? You get to have fun in that. You get to go, who are the connections, the people that I am in connection with and how can we partner together and have fun in God's purpose, right? Y'all, this isn't supposed to be this like, find your purpose. It's supposed to be, I have a purpose. <laughs> yeah, woo, you know, like, let's get on it. Let's get on it, Lord, together. I wanna say one more thing though. Sometimes you're gonna feel like a failure in your purpose. Oh, you're gonna be doing it. You're gonna be doing it. And then you're gonna feel like it doesn't matter. I bump into this all the time. I would say ask Stuart, but don't, because he might tell you the truth. Like, he might give you more details that I am comfortable with, but like Stuart knows this. I bump into this all the time. What does it even matter? It, it matters. You just gotta stay grounded in that. The being a conduit of God's purposes matters and you matter and your gifts and your skills and your personality and your, your job, whatever it is, it all matters and God wants to pull it all together and use you for his purposes. So if it's been a while since you asked God to do a new thing in and through you, now's a great time to start. It's a great time. You know, like just stay in your seat if you want to, but honestly, y'all, if you step forward and you walk up here, there's nothing magic about the altars. It's just a way for you to say, I'm gonna be bold and confident in this and say, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be with me according to your word. Like I'm just here for it. Or if there's something else that you wanna to bring to the altar, 
to just lift up before the Lord. It's wide open and available for you. And the last thing I will say is the reason I really want you to come next Sunday night to hear Sydney speak is because Sydney bears a story and a powerful witness of God's bigger than purpose over a person's life. For years, Sydney lived according to Sydney's will and what Sydney wanted. And Jesus confronted Sydney in love and in grace and mercy and compassion and completely changed his life. And I want you to hear from him the amazing story of expansion that God has been doing in his life. Because it is the perfect example of, oh, it's too small a thing, Sydney, that I would just redeem you and let you know your love beyond a shadow of a doubt. I got bigger stuff. We're going to do this. And that's too light a thing. We're going to do this. And you know what, Sydney? That's too light a thing. We're going to keep going. And y'all, that is his story. So, you know, if, you, if you're like, I can't go because I don't want to bring a side dish. It's too hard. Just come without a side dish. I don't care. Keith will bring Ritz crackers for you. It's fine. But I want you to come. And I want you to tell other people. And I want you to bring them. Because it's good for us to gather together. And it's good for us to hear the witness of other people. So his details are different from your details. But the truth of the matter is the same. God has a purpose for your life. And it's good and beautiful. And it is rooted and grounded in the truth that you are loved. You are loved. And God wants to bring expansion in your life so that you will live a fulfilled and abundant life for his purposes. Is that good news? I hope you're not loud because you're crying. It's such good news, y'all. It's such good news. So let's pray together, and these altars are available for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were the faithful servant, and that you are our witness, and you are our example. Lord God, come upon us again and remind us of of who you have called us to be, your servants, who are conduits of your purpose in this world. Lord, Give us freedom in that. Let us not feel pressured and stressed about that, but let us just be open and available to how you would use us for your beautiful purposes in this world. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen.